1: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and happy to be here with you. Give us a call. Join the national conversation, 8334-VALDEZ is the phone number, 8334-VALDEZ. And what's the latest scheme to smuggle humans into the United States at the border? All right. You give up, I'll tell you. Imitation FedEx vans. That's right. Smugglers used cloned FedEx vehicles in an attempt to bring 26 illegal immigrants into El Paso. hmm U.S. Customs and Border officials reported that uh, Santa, the Santa Teresa Station anti-smuggling unit received a tip about the plan agents and state troopers stopping vehicles, two of which were outfitted to look exactly like white FedEx vans. The officials arrested four smugglers involved with the scheme, as well as apprehending 26 migrants who were from Mexico and Guatemala. Now, Border Patrol Patrol sources told the New York Post that there is a FedEx facility very close to the border in Santa Teresa in uh, New Mexico, which is part of the El Paso sex, uh, sector, excuse me, I can't speak today, and a known pickup area for smugglers and migrants alike. Uh, they, they joked that the smugglers were either going to pay a FedEx driver to smuggle migrants or that they were going to clone a truck. Uh, little do they know that their, their uh, joking would actually come to pass. And uh, the, there's a photo of the FedEx truck, it's one of those box vans that looks kind of like a uh, Sprinter and even has that little fold-away diamond in the back where you could put hazardous material or not hazardous material. Look pretty legit to me. It would have fooled me. It says FedEx Express. Wow. Anyway, Border Patrol agent uh, Sean Coffey said, the tactic isn't new but hasn't been used in recent years. We've seen FedEx vehicles uh, in, in the past but haven't seen them in a while. We do see other types of vehicles used like construction vehicles vehicles, that they put a sticker on so it looks like a company vehicle. Kofi condemned the smuggling scheme as a great danger to the lives of migrants. Following the recent tragedies, where dozens of people died in the back of poorly ventilated uh, take three poorly ventilated trucks trying to sneak past the border. I remember that last year they had uh, what was it? Something like ninety-three people back there. Absolute insanity. Uh, but yeah, here it is. They had the uh, the truck. It was completely empty. And they tried to pull it off like they were uh, legit FedEx people. And it just, um, for me, I just think, man, this is, a, uh, this is a bad look. You know, I mean, great that they caught them. But imagine how many they don't catch. And imagine how many are getting stuck, right? Like they said before, like the ones that are getting stuck and actually dying in the back there. I think that's the, uh, the part that, that is uh, very lamentable here. Anyway, in other news. We shall move on. Uh, Trump is still the big story of the day all over the place. Wherever you go, somebody's saying something about him. And if they're not saying something about Trump, well, of course, they're talking about Biden and uh, his railroad that apparently is going to go across the Indian Ocean. Yep. Uh, In Joe Biden's world, railroads go right across the ocean. And I mean, I guess he's planning on building a bridge because otherwise it's going to be pretty tough. But that's uh, Joel Baboso Biden. Also known as the big guy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that this is where we are with the big guy, but it is where we are. Now, Biden is going to be um, ending, listen to this, ending DNA testing at the southern border. Now, this is the testing that you would typically do when somebody comes in uh, claiming to be a family seeking asylum. But we've learned in recent years that these are not families, right? These are uh, a male smuggler, a female smuggler, and children that are being smuggled into the country, sometimes trafficked into the country against their will. So Biden will, in in effect, be boosting child trafficking by ending DNA testing at the southern border. And uh, Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, are expected to surely boost child trafficking with their decision to stop DNA testing at uh, border facilities when they say uh, families approach. This is a bad idea, it seems. Uh, Laura Reese, who's been a guest on this program from Heritage Foundation, uh, she told the Senate Judiciary Committee on Wednesday that the plan will ultimately lead to more smuggling and trafficking of migrant children at the border saying quote, the Biden administration has also recently made the nonsensical decision to stop using DNA testing of suspected fake families at the border. The results are very predictable. A return to more child smuggling, child recycling and child trafficking saying you're a family and we'll just take your word for it. Absolutely horrible. Now this, um, DNA, uh, deployment is a rapid DNA test that was deployed by then president Trump back in 2019. And, uh, this is what they're trying to undo. Like they typically do, right? They typically, uh, typically, I'm going to take a big, uh, a a big, huge coffee break during the commercial. (laughs) They, this is what they typically do anyway. Now. I want to get into something before we take the pause, because, again, this is, I think, a a big story from yesterday that I wanted to follow up on. And Senator Ted Cruz had grilled uh, one of the FBI officials over these recordings that we keep hearing about. Now, I talked about them last night briefly. I talked about them on my podcast. This is America with Rich Valdez. You'll hear that tomorrow. But I'll repeat it. If these Biden recordings exist, why haven't we heard them? If you're going to blackmail somebody and say, look, I got recordings. And if you don't if you don't come clean to give me what I want from you, then you've got to give me you know, I'm going to show them to the authorities. Well, if if you're going to blackmail somebody and say you've got these tapes at this point, what leverage do you have that they're in the media? I mean, clearly, I don't think Biden's um, backpedaling going, oh, you know, they're they're fake. They're phony. They're fraud. Anything. It's a deep fake. He hasn't said a word. Why? He doesn't care. He doesn't care what these tapes, I don't think they have these tapes. Again, the last time we heard about tapes, did they have those? No, they didn't, right? It was the Trump tape. Now, again, this is a tape against Biden, not a tape against Trump. But either way, to me, it sounds like a phony tape. It sounds like the the Burisma people are trying to overplay their hand because they uh, had a deal with Biden. Maybe he reneged on the deal or whatever it was. And now they're trying to scare him. I don't think it's going to work because I don't think Joe Biden's a guy that gets scared personally. I think he just he doesn't believe anything can happen to him because and listen, if I were president of the United States, I'd probably feel that way, too, especially if I was a 47 or 50 year old uh, crook. Right. I'm not saying he's 47 years old, but he's been a crook in Washington for at least that long. So I think when you have that level of experience doing this type of thing, it just becomes muscle memory, more corruption, just like uh, we've seen time and again from Biden. And I I just don't think this tape exists, but we'll we'll talk about that uh, towards the um, end of this hour, as well as at the top of hour number three, when we get into open phone America. But straight ahead, I want to uh, discuss Trump derangement syndrome and how it continues to just affect so many people melting down over the indictment, melting down over the fact that Uh, Trump raises more money and may likely shoot up in the polls as a result of the latest federal charges against him. These people are nuts and and they're losing it. And we're going to figure out why with Dr. Carroll. She joins us next. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with
2: Rich Valdez.
0: Rich Valdez. What can he offer prosecutors other than his confession, his cooperation? I mean, this is a crime he could only commit because he was in high public office. Spiro Agnew used that as a jail, as a get out of jail free card. It was not just that he was vice president. It was that prosecutors assumed he was about to become president because Nixon was teetering. They were right. And in order to keep Agnew out, to it, in order to tra- they traded him essentially jail time for his resignation. I'm not saying that's what the DOJ should agree to. I'm not saying that's right. what Trump should try for, that what his defense should offer it. I'm not even saying it would be good or bad for the country. I'm just saying the one other time... we we've dealt with this as a country that's how we did it
1: so it seems like election interference isn't anything new when it comes to the FBI and uh political candidates that seem poised to do something like take over a, a big public office well uh just because it's not new doesn't make it right and despite what we're seeing um the 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 deep state the administrative state the media those uh, that are in um, certain positions of power seem to be losing their minds over this stuff uh, with, you know, the types of analysis that we're hearing here. And it always makes me think about the uh, Trump derangement syndrome that we've had. Uh, we've heard of in the past and people have have displayed from time to time. And I think right now we're seeing it in mass. Uh, I want to talk about that with uh, America's psychiatrist, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back.
3: Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. So let, let's um, dig into this a little bit because, and I mean this both tongue in cheek, but really from a serious perspective, I feel like like there is a like like uh, I don't know how to say it, but like a massive case of paranoia that that Trump is actually not going away. They want the way they want him to go away. And it seems like this panic is spreading among certain people where they, they sound scared as they're speaking. And I'm thinking, are they really that scared of Trump or are they scared of losing power?
3: Uh, well, it's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, the, the Obama-Biden White House is just amping up, um, you know, as they see Biden's numbers falling and um, Trump's numbers rising, they are, yes, Trump derangement syndrome, absolutely. Um, This was, you know, I sat and watched the whole thing, as I'm sure you did, uh, the day of the arraignment, and what came to my mind was shock and awe, because, um, you know, not that this was, uh, I'm not trying to say that it was as bad in a sense as 9-11, where 3,000 people died, but right. it, it's the same because, just like nine eleven, where we could, couldn't have even conceived of something like that happened, um, happening. W- this too came. I mean, I know you just were talking about some things that happened in the past, but still, really, um, I don't think any of us would have. You know, it's one thing for Eugene Carroll to uh, <laughs> to claim rape. It's another thing, you know, for uh, Trump to be indicted on all of these charges. For sure. So, So we're all kind of shocked. I mean, yeah, and I agree.
1: I think the Spiro Agnew thing was a vice president, and it was following Watergate, and it was a sloppy thing. And again, I only know what I know from history. Uh, But this is the legitimate, or I should say, illegitimate. But it's literally what we're watching: indictment uh, and an arraignment of a immediate past um, president of the United States, which I think we just we've never seen and. For many in the country, it's it's a traumatic thing to watch, and for others that are celebrating it, I, I think th- they need to be on Dr. Carroll's couch even even more than the rest of us do,
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> who are you tr- know that, trying that to get true,
1: over
3: it. Because they might be happy, um, you know, to see this happen to Trump, but what they're not realizing is how it is affecting them, regardless of what party they belong to, you know, what candidate they support. I mean, all of these things we have been having, we've been seeing our rights, our freedoms, um, our American traditions, family values, all of the above, gradually being eroded. And, you know, this is just taking it to the next level. And so, so it's you know, even if people hate Trump and then they go, great, you know, he's going to be locked up and he's not going to be president and all of that. Really? Well, even if that did happen or especially if that did happen, you would be in really deep trouble because, you know, that means um, that they could come for you next and they will. You know, Trump said um, several times, he has said this quote, um, uh, I am the only one who can save this nation because you know, they are not coming after me. They are coming after you. And I just happen to be standing in their way. And that is really true. And, um, you know, uh, it is about it is about taking us taking away all our liberties.
1: Yeah, It's a very sad uh, thing to watch, Dr. Carroll. I mean, I, I, as a dad of two, I, I sit here and I think, my goodness, you know, uh, I have to kind of walk my kids through this. And, and they, they don't really care about the news, honestly. You know, they're, they're very young um, in terms relatively young. But but uh, eventually, you know, like they'll circle back to me and be like, Dad, what's going on with Trump? Is he going to jail? You know, and have to have this conversation Uh about what's going on with this America that we, you know, once thought was this bastion of uh, freedom and liberty and fairness and how we're watching so many of our governmental institutions be weaponized and politicized uh, just for the sake of exercising raw political power and eliminating a political enemy for this uh, election interference. And again, it's really nothing I've ever seen at this level in my lifetime. And even the historical examples we have aren't, um, really comparable, right? They're somewhat comparable, Mm -hmm, but not really mm -hmm. comparable. And it just, for me, I think, my goodness, there's gotta be a psychological impact on, on America at large as a result.
3: Yes. Um, you know, for Republicans, even, uh, those who weren't committed to Trump, um, it, and it, it is very demoralizing. It's depressing. It's um, you feel many people are feeling. It's it, you know I, watching all of this helpless, angry, um, and the problem is not to allow yourself, or not the the, the the solution is not to allow yourself to be so overcome by this feeling of helplessness that you don't try to do something to fix it. There are things that we can do between now and the election, you know, to, um, uh, to join political, political groups and so on. Um, and to, you know, instead of giving up, you know, like, uh, even I think when sometimes this just gets really bad, all this wokeism and then Trump and, you know, who, who, people who um, are willing to fight against this, like Trump is, um, you think if this doesn't happen and, and we get we drown in a sea of wokeness, I think to myself sometimes, well, let's see, which country should I go to? It's, right. so, tempting go? To think, it's so tempting to think about going to an island somewhere. But um, but then, you know, I, I wouldn't do that because um, it's really more important to stay and, and fight for American values.
1: Yeah, well, I think if we're going to fight for anything, we should be fighting for American values. Uh, folks, I want to remind you we're on with Dr. Carol Lieberman. Now, Dr. Carol, she is uh, the host of Dr. Carol's Couch on Real America's Voice. She's also uh, known as America's Psychiatrist, and she's always a, a welcome voice on our program. You may remember her. Uh, she also hosts the Terrorist Therapist podcast. And that was because she um, provided all of this um, analysis and and excellent um, information when she wrote the book way back in the days following 9-11 on coping with terrorism. So we'll get into all of that and more. I also want to get her take on a couple of things that are in the news today. So please don't go anywhere. Our phone number, if you have a question for her, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833, the number 4 Valdes. And we're coming back with Dr. Carol Lieberman, America's psychiatrist. Don't go anywhere.
4: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models,
5: and how to think about...
1: All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Our guest is Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, you know Dr. Carol from being on this program. She is fantastic, uh, a medical doctor, of course, a master's in public health as well. She's known as America's psychiatrist. Uh, you can check out her uh, website. She's at expertwitnessforensicpsychiatrist.com. Uh, also, Dr. Carol hosts a TV show on Real America's Voice, Dr. Carol's Couch, and I wanted to get into a couple of things with her, and I will, but on a quick aside, everybody on this in this audience, if you don't know, you'll know now, um, many of you know that I, back in 2007, I was diagnosed with ADHD. And I couldn't have been happier at that time when it happened to me because I thought I was just weird because <laughs> I, I would go to the store to buy something and then buy something else and come back and be like, what happened here? You know, and just so many weird things happened. And when I started to learn more about it, it made so much more sense. And I've always uh, kind of not uh, opted to go with any of the stimulant drugs. They never sat well with me. But so many people do opt for them. And there's a, a, a study out that claims that Adderall and Ritalin and other stimulants uh, like that can actually decrease productivity in people that abuse them if they don't have ADHD. And, uh, I mean, it comes comes to me as something that makes a lot of sense. Uh, But researchers from the University of Cambridge and the University of Melbourne conducted the study published uh, just yesterday in the Journal of, of Science Advances that tested the effects of the three smart drugs on 40 healthy participants aged 18 to 35 years old. And the quote from the journal is, our results suggest that these drugs don't actually make you smarter. One of the study authors uh, suggested and saying because of the dopamine the drugs induce, we expect to see increased motivation as they do motivate one to try harder. However, we discovered that this exertion caused more erratic thinking. And if you have ADHD, you already have erratic thinking, right? You're like, here one minute, there next minute, going over here, going back over here. So uh, that's the last thing you need is uh, more erratic thinking. Uh, It's funny to think that that medicine would cause that in people. uh, Because I know people take this all the time to get through medical school, to get through this, to get through that. Um, I took it and it, it... it, while it it helped a little bit, it caused more more issues and made me feel a lot less comfortable. Almost like I wasn't myself. But my point is, I thought this was a very interesting thing. Dr. Carroll, um, what are your thoughts on regular people, uh, A.K.A. normies that don't have ADHD, taking Ritalin and Adderall and things like that?
3: I am very much against it because I have seen, you know, firsthand. Um, what happens and yes, they, they do not make you smarter. Um, they do make you, your motor go faster. In other words, um, you know, it, it, well, they're like, they are amphetamines. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they, they make you go faster. They, they can sometimes, um, make you feel more confident. So then you do study more, you know, some of those things work. However, um, you know, there is a downside, um, for a lot of people, I mean, I've seen, uh, I was an expert witness on a case for, uh, of one person who was given Adderall, and he, um, he may have had it. You, see, you know, a lot of times doctors give these pills out without doing tests. There are actually psychological tests that you give, and you may have taken those to determine if somebody, yes, that's like the right way to do it. You it's know, it's actually a rather
1: involved series of tests that they gave me.
3: Yes. Yes, and but most doctors these days just kind of give it out like candy, and so it's a it's a high feeling, and um, especially if you don't really have ADHD, um, but and so that could get people. They they found that when kids are given this, um, even if they do really have ADHD, it makes them more vulnerable when they get to be teenagers to getting addicted to drugs. And in this case that I was saying about this young man who was given an Adderall, um he you know puts people it can put people into a manic phase, and that's what it did for him and he spent all his parents money and he got into a car accident and you know the reason why I saw him is because he was suing the doctor um and so I was his expert witness so really bad things you know there are bad things that can happen from that there are some drugs that are a little less um turn people less into a manic phase but and then that's another thing if someone has underlying mania manic depressive illness um they're even more susceptible to this so i am not a big fan um you know there are other things there are behavioral things that you can do to uh be able to concentrate more and so on it's very tempting believe me it's it's you know the celebrities. A lot of celebrities, not so much. You don't hear about it so much now. But there was a time when um, Britney Spears, for example, and some other celebrities were on these meds. Not that they necessarily had ADHD, but um, they would take uh, these kinds of meds during the day, and then they would they would take. It would, they Somehow they combined it with alcohol so that they, they would feel sleepy after drinking a lot of alcohol. And then they would take these, hours later, they would take these drugs to sort of wake up. Also, they were taking it to lose weight. Um, so mm. the, during this period, I was getting lots of phone calls from people who wanted to, me to prescribe, you know, all of a sudden they had ADHD and they wanted me to prescribe. Uh, <laughs> they had a uh, few extra pounds. <laughs> they they was?
1: They had a few extra pounds. So they're like, hey, I have yeah. ADHD.
3: Exactly, exactly. And when they came to see me and I said, well, you know, you have to take these tests. <laughs> I was referring them out to a psychologist for these psychological tests that you just said are very, you know, they're, they're, it's a whole battery of tests. Um, when they heard that they had to go through that and they were going to be found out <laughs> that they didn't have ADHD, then, you know, they weren't interested anymore. They went to, I'm sure they went to another psychiatrist who gave them the pills.
1: Do you think that this is part of the reason that these pills are so hard to find for people? And like I said, I've opted not to take them. I tried uh, various stimulants uh, at the time, and they tried to titrate it. And it, for me, it was just like I didn't like that feeling at all of of being mm-hmm. high uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, of of speeded up. I'm speedy enough as it is. My brain is always on a thousand, so I I don't need more of that. And I guess you know they tried to figure out the right capacity to make me regular. And I didn't like regular. So I ended up trying (laughs) one of the non-stimulants and it actually worked. And I felt regular for probably about a month or even two months. And, and it was really cool to be able to sit through like eight at the time I worked in higher ed. And believe it or not, in higher ed, there are instances where you have like two back-to-back four-hour meetings that make up your eight-hour day. Mm -hmm. That sounds Mm. like cruel and unusual punishment for most people, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you have ADHD. And uh, I was able to sit through those without shaking my leg, without, you know, looking at my phone, without going to the bathroom, just zeroed in. Uh-huh. It was amazing. I felt like Superman. But uh, it, I felt like I was a different person. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm, like, I mm-hmm. don't like any of this. So I, uh, eventually the, the non-stimulant that they had prescribed, although it w- working, uh, it, it didn't work for long. And I had to take more and take more. And eventually they're like, yeah, well, yeah. We, have, we have to up the dosage. It'll probably raise your blood pressure, but we'll give you another pill for that. And I was like, you know what, how about we just scrap all the pills and I'll just go back to shaking my leg and going to the bathroom,
2: because,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and looking at my phone and interrupting people and just doing what I do uh, because it, it was just too much. I didn't like it.
2: Yeah. But my question you know, was, every, which
1: I, everybody uh, go ahead. Is
2: really,
3: everybody is, is very different. And what you really, have, some people, you know, it's like, um, it, it's, uh, not, uh, it, it's counterintuitive. You know, for some people, like you, you would think if you're speedy, then why would you take something to speed you up more? Now for some right. people that works, but for other people, it, it has to be, you know, something to slow you down. So it really takes a lot of careful monitoring, um, by the psychiatrist to, to figure out what your, what works for you.
1: Now, Dr. Cal, what I was going to say, that whole uh, setup was for me to ask this question, that there are a lot of people that are using Adderall. For like you said, I know that there are people out there that abuse Adderall to go out and binge drink and then take an Adderall so they could be sober on the way home. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are people that do this to just focus for whatever reason uh, without having ADHD. and. And because it's so accessible through online doctors and whatnot, Mm. do you think that this is the reason why there's a national shortage for all the people that actually (laughs) need it?
3: Oh, you know, maybe. Um, I mean, I thought, I mean, the real problem isn't the real problem that we have foreign countries like China producing our medication you know that's the big mistake that we have it's not just adhd medication it's so many medic a cancer medications. i was just reading about that the other day that people can't get the medications they need for cancer because it's made in other countries and you know and they're not making it fast enough or it's you know political or whatever i mean this is a terrible situation to be in we should be making it ourselves
1: I agree with that 100%. Folks, we're on with Dr. Carol Lieberman, and she's with us for another segment. Uh, We're going to continue this conversation. Speaking of other countries, there were four kids that were abandoned or stuck or stranded in a rainforest. Uh, I want to find out about the psychological impacts of that. Uh, We're going to discuss that coming up straight ahead. Plus, your phone calls 833 4 Valdez. 833 4 Valdez. This
0: is America at Night with rich valdez call now 833-4valdez that's 833-482-5337 833-4valdez that's valdez with an s
7: Well,
5: thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I, have, I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America
0: at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: So there are new details that have emerged on how four Colombian kids survived in the Amazon jungle for 40 days after a deadly plane crash. Now, they were siblings ages 11 months through 13 years old. So you're talking about 13, 9, 4, and just under a year old. They hid in tree trunks to avoid snakes and animals and mosquitoes. And uh, they, they're part of the Hutoto indigenous group. And the oldest of these kids possess some skills, uh, you know, like Boy Scout skills, uh, to, um, to survive in, in this environment. it's it's a remarkable story, but uh, their parents were said to have died. First, the dad died, I believe, in a plane crash. They were on a small plane. And then afterwards, the mom died. And now, uh, you know, there are some reports that, you know, there was a dog that that helped them live. I mean, it is such an amazing tale. And all I could think of was, wow, does this make them stronger as adults when they grow up? Or is this like a major psychological impairment? Uh, I tend to think that, you know, what doesn't kill them makes them stronger. But, Dr. Carroll, what say you?
3: Well, yes, these kids are amazing. I mean, what they um, survived, you know, not only, of course, the hardship of food and water and, you know, knowing how to be able to to survive in those kinds of conditions, but also um, to see their mother dead. You know, she supposedly lived for about four days, and then she died. And then the pilot died, and there was somebody else on the plane who died. Um, You know, so it it wasn't just about uh, having enough water and food, but you know, realizing living with the grief of of your parent dying. You know, what's interesting though, you mentioned the father. Um, There was the there are different stories about why they were in the plane to begin with. One of the stories. Is that the father? At least the father of two of them um, had cheated on the mother, and he moved away. And but he had given the mother hope that they might get back together, and she took the kids to go to the father, this father, you know, of the two, um, in the hopes that they could get back together. And then this happened. But the father is telling uh, this same father that I'm talking about. uh, There are four kids, so there's other father, right. one or two other fathers. Um, but anyhow, he's telling people all different stories. Um, he said that, that they were trying to get away from, um, you know, a group of people who would who would make them join their group, um, like a, a militant group, and that that's what they were trying to get away from. I mean, I just hope that the kids are not given back to this father because he really seems like he's he's making hay out of this. You know, they're getting all this attention, all this praise that right. they well deserved. And he is all of a sudden he's now he's there. <laughs> you know, he deserted them. But now he's there. He's right. They're getting, getting away from him
1: and, and he's back in the mix.
3: <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I mean, no, he was the one who got away from them. He abandoned them. And, um, and, but now he's here because they're getting all this attention and, you know, there's probably going to be all different opportunities for the kids. And now all of a sudden he's back in their life. And, and supposedly also Mm. he was, um, he was physically abusive to the mother. So I hope, um, I hope some other relatives get the custody of these kids.
1: Horrible. Now, you know, when people endure this type of trauma, um, what's been your experience on, and I, I guess everybody's different in how they deal with it, but something this traumatic, being involved in an accident, seeing your mom pass away and others around you and you being, um, is this one of those situations where they, they might deal with survivor's guilt?
3: Oh, yes. Um, you know, certainly in regard to their mother and even the other two who they weren't necessarily close with, but, but just seeing them, you know, like, for example, the pilot. So the pilot was helping them, to go where they wanted to go and now he died. So there's, you know, there would even be guilt about him. Um, uh, You know, typically when you, when there's some kind of trauma, depending upon how stable psychologically the person was before the trauma, that will determine um, how well they are able to cope with the trauma and what kind of an impact the trauma will have on them, the healthier they were to begin with. Now, you know, here we're talking about a one-year-old child, um, uh, you know, presumably the child was well cared for by its mother, but, um, he didn't have a lot of experience to, to, um, to develop coping mechanisms, you know, at one years old. But of I course. think, I mean, I think what this shows, though, just from the beginning, the fact that they were able to survive in all these creative ways and to really be smart about it, and and, and the fact that they survived together will be very a very strong um, bond that they developed and will help each of them to to overcome this and to, to yes, to make them stronger, you know, that, that this will actually... Um, help them to feel uh, like they can overcome anything in life.
1: The resilience of a child folks. Dr. Carol Lieberman is, is truly an expert on this stuff. She's an expert witness, not just because that's her website, expert witness, forensic psychiatrist.com, but because she truly is uh, America's psychiatrist. Dr. Carol, I want to thank you for being here with us. Hopefully you'll join us again soon. You always have such great insight.
3: Sure. Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. And, folks, when we continue, we will uh, be getting to your calls and so much more. Uh, Plus, we're going to talk about a law, a new law that's coming out in the uh, next hour where parents are going to be held liable for child abuse if they don't teach their kids about the LGBTQ curriculum that one school is uh, considering imposing uh, as a state law. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
0: This is America
2: Night with Rich Valdez.
0: America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America eight three three four Valdez. Getting to your calls all throughout the evening. Let's go to Mary, Saint Joseph, Missouri, listening on KMA out of Iowa. Mary, welcome.
8: Hello, Rich. Hello. Um, thank you for taking my call, and thank you so much for having Dr. Lieberman on your show. She hit a topic that's that's very dear to my heart. I worked with like patients for. Well, I, I think I've told you before, I'm a retired RN, and I worked in psych for quite a number of years.
2: Mm-hmm. And
8: on our unit, almost invariably, we would have young adults on there that had been on some of these medications throughout their childhood, and they had turned to experimenting with drugs, most of which were methamphetamines. And our methamphetamine uh, use in this area skyrocketed.
1: Wow, and, and now you're finding, like, you're talking years. about um, people abusing Adderall to, to uh, like, speed to, to get high that R- way?
8: Yeah, No, I'm talking about meth labs started up that, uh, with people that were on Ritalin and Strattera and Adderall when they were children.
1: Wow. Fascinating. That is fascinating. Yeah, I, I could never imagine being like, hey, I can't I can't get my stratera. I, quick, get me to the local meth lab. But I'm sure that's a thing. I mean, the same way people start, you know, popping oxy and then move on to heroin. Uh, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing the way gateway drugs work. Um, thank you always for your insight on that, Mary. That's something I didn't know, and I appreciate you bringing that to us. Uh, Big shout out to everybody in St. Joseph, Missouri, and everybody listening uh, out on KMA in Iowa and the surrounding area. We'll be right back. I'm Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you. Give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833, the number 4, and my last name, V-A-L-D-E-S. Now, Biden was talking about a railroad today, saying it was going to go across the Indian Ocean. Now, a lot of people making fun of him on social media for that. Uh, But a bigger headline here is that a majority of American voters believe that Biden engaged in bribery. According to a new poll released Wednesday by the Trafalgar group, 53.3% of respondents believed that the Biden family had accepted bribes from foreign officials. 53% of those interviewed. That's a lot. Like really like a lot, right? I mean, think about that for a second. Crazy. Now, In the last hour, I mentioned something. And again, this has uh, everything to do with the Biden administration and how weak they've been on border security and cracking down on human smuggling, trafficking, etc. But again, the latest creative way to sneak human beings across the border, put them in fake or what they're calling cloned FedEx vehicles, right? Fake FedEx trucks to sneak the migrants into the U.S., And uh, again, this happened uh, in Santa Teresa, which is um, El Paso area and 26 illegal immigrants were brought into El Paso, Texas and intercepted by us customs and border patrol. When they were tipped off that they'd be coming in on these fake FedEx trucks and they caught them, but that's not the only way that trafficking goes on. In fact, There's trafficking that goes on all across the place, all across the country, all across the globe. And Secretary Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, was speaking on that today, and we have a clip of it. I want you to listen to this.
6: Its purpose is to showcase successful efforts to prevent trafficking, to identify areas where countries are falling short and have more work to do, and ultimately, ultimately, to eliminate trafficking altogether.
1: Now, you would think that Blinken would be really pointing at a map of the United States when he says countries that are falling short. Now, I'm sure there are other bigger and and worse culprits out there. But clearly, we're falling short. Now, kudos to the Border Patrol that caught the people uh, on the fake FedEx trucks. But this happens way too often in the United States. Now, Blinken continued. Listen to this.
6: More than 27 million people around the world are denied that right. Trafficking harms our societies, weakening the rule of law, corrupting supply chains, exploiting workers, fueling violence. And it disproportionately impacts traditionally marginalized groups, women, LGBTQI plus individuals, persons with disabilities, ethnic and religious minorities.
1: Now... What Secretary Blinken is talking about right now is something called the U.S. Trafficking Report, which right now, today, highlighted cyber scams and exploited boys. This is the annual U.S. State Department uh, report listing 24 countries in the lowest tier for human trafficking protections. Crazy stuff. The United States um, put out their, their report Uh, showing an increase in forced labor schemes related to the COVID-19 pandemic and a years-long uptick in the exploitation of boys. If it's years long, get on it. Protect these kids. Anyway, in a speech uh, with respect to what they're talking about, this trafficking speech, uh, Anthony Blinken uh, stressed the need for partnerships between governments, NGOs, and civil society in particularly tech organizations, to address a sex and labor trafficking problem that's global. Saying the United States is committed to combating human trafficking because it represents an attack on human rights and freedoms, in addition to what you heard him say on the audio we played. Now, there's 24 countries that rank lowest for these protections. They call them tier three countries. And they are Afghanistan, China, Venezuela, Turkmenistan, Myanmar, Belarus, Syria, Iran, North Korea. And those are the ones that are amongst the top. And they regularly rank in this category of being uh, the worst. But some countries that were previously on the list were downgraded, including Algeria, Chad, Equatorial Guinea, Papua New Guinea, And, uh, one other one, uh, were, were upgraded or excuse me, were downgraded. The ones that were upgraded were Vietnam, Malaysia, and Brunei, uh, who've actually improved in providing more protections. So fascinating, fascinating, uh, that this is actually what's going on right now. And, and I think to myself, you know, it's a shame that they're trafficking, uh, children, boys in particular, We see this happening, um, sadly, all over the world. And and the United States is not getting any better. But it's not just children and and for labor and for sex, but it's also body parts. Yep. Several people, seven, in fact, were charged with trafficking body parts that were stolen from Harvard Medical School's morgue. This is a crazy story. Now, these people include the morgue manager at Harvard Medical School, and they were arrested and charged with stealing and selling human remains from the mortuaries at the Ivy League school. The arrests involved an underground network that robbed corpses, including the bodies of two stillborn infants. Isn't that crazy? A, what do you want with all these dead people? And B, what do you want dead infants for? Cedric Lodge, 55 years old, allegedly stole the remains from the university morgue where he worked and sold the body parts online with the help of his wife, Denise, 63 years old. Who'd they sell them to? Their associates, Katrina McLean, 44 years old, Joshua Taylor, 46 years old, and Matthew Lampy, 52 years old. Officials said one of uh, Lampy's clients was Jeremy Pauley, who bought and sold body parts along with him the two of them exchanging more than $100,000 in stolen, trafficked, dead human body parts. Paulie eventually led detectives to Candace Chapman Scott, who's accused of stealing cadavers slated for cremation in Little Rock and selling them to uh, Mr. Pauli in Pennsylvania. Like with uh, the Lodges operation, many of the bodies that Scott is accused of selling belong to those who donated them for scientific research. Unbelievable. Crazy, right? You just, you you can't believe the story. As I'm saying, I'm like, I can't even get the words out. But then I'm looking at a picture of the guy. One of the guys that they caught buying, right? This guy, Jeremy Paul, he's accused of uh, buying about $100,000 in stolen human remains. You got to see what this guy looks like. Looks like he's, you know, 20s, 30s, maybe 40s at the most. He's got a, and I'm not against tattoos per se, but he's pretty much tattooed entirely on half his face, including his eyeball. Like the, the white part of, part of his eyeball is black and uh, piercings everywhere, even the little horns at the top of his head. I mean, just a scary looking dude. I will share this one on social media so you can see what this guy looks like. What a weirdo he looks like. But that's what's going on. We're trafficking boys in America. We're trafficking humans at the border with fake FedEx trucks. And we are now trafficking stolen human remains, body parts. People are buying these things for what? I don't know. They can't use them in transplants. It's not a medical emergency. What are they doing with these body parts? That's what I'd like to know. Anyway, um, we'll get into that a little bit more down the road, maybe in hour number three. But right now I want to talk about some of the harm that's being done to our children by way of making laws that neuter the parents so that they're charged with child support, excuse me, child support, flashbacks for me, with child abuse, if they don't support a state bill that's forcing the LGBTQI plus curriculum and all of the crazy that, that accompanies that, uh, if they don't accept that to, to be pushed down their throats. Crazy stuff is happening at different state houses across the country, and we're going to get with Tony Kennett. He's an investigative columnist at The Daily Signal. And he's going to explain everything to us right after this.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
9: I looked at the Dodgers code of conduct. I'm like, look, or the Dodgers fan code of conduct, and it said, you cannot wear anything or say anything that goes anybody's against anybody's age, gender, creed, religion. And at that point, it was like, this is a blatant. This is going against their code of conduct. Um, it's a blatant. Um, anti-Catholic message that they're sending, regardless of how much, you know, quote unquote good they've been doing in their community. But when I saw how deeply offensive it was, doing awful things to the cross, doing awful things about Stations of the Cross, like it's just, it became a point where th- these negatives are, are not, they shouldn't be honored and they shouldn't mock a certain room, a certain group.
1: All right. So there you have it. That's Trevor Williams. He's a pitcher with the Washington Nationals. He was on EWTN um, just yesterday talking about the controversy that occurred at Dodger Stadium a few weeks ago uh, where they brought in transsexual nuns, right? Or cross-dressing transsexuals posing as nuns. Uh, I forget what their their name was. Sisters of something or other. Maybe if you guys could find that in the studio, let me know. but the point their point was this was a protest. they were um, LGBTQ activists, the sisters of perpetual indulgence. and this was their act of protest um, uh, or or free speech or whatever and what have you um, at, at Dodger Stadium. and it was taken um, the wrong way by many that espoused a, a Catholic or Christian faith. And, and, and again, rightfully so. I mean, everybody's entitled to do what they want. And if that's what the Dodgers want to do, then people have a right to say, hey, I don't know if I want to engage with the Dodgers anymore. But th- this is just one of many examples coming out of California, but this happens everywhere, where we're seeing an agenda continually pushed upon people. And it comes as no surprise that there's now a California bill that would charge any parent who doesn't affirm transgenderism, and they'll char- they'll charge the parent with child abuse. Now, this proposal to me is insane, but it makes sense. When we think about this, and I'm not saying I agree with it, I'm saying it makes sense from the perspective of the transgender activist. Ultimately, they're going to look at everybody and say, why aren't you trans, and if you're not, what's wrong with you, Right. This is where they're trying to get. They're trying to normalize this to the point where the ostracized become the, what are considered the, the normal, right? Or the, the mainstream, right? Those that uh, believe that men should marry women and women should marry men, or that men are men, or women are women. And to me, this is just, um, it's crazy, right? <laughs> I can't think of another way to describe it. Uh, thankfully, um, my job's to tell the truth. And uh, when I heard that there's this law that it's a recently amended California bill that would add affirming to the sexual transge- uh, transition of a child and add that to the state's standard for parental responsibility and child welfare. This would make any parent who doesn't affirm transgenderism for their child guilty of child abuse under this California state law. And this is crazy. The law, AB 957, it passed California's assembly on May, uh, May 3rd. But a uh, co-sponsor amended it um, after hours in California State Senate on June sixth. So we continue to see what's going to happen with that. But I want to bring in Tony Kennett because uh, he's written an article on this in the Daily Signal, and he's he's got his finger on the pulse of what's going on. Tony Kennett, welcome. Thanks for having me on, Rich. Yes, sir. So uh, let's get to the bottom of this, because I think this is is crazy talk, and uh, you can take your time with it. We're going to do a couple of segments on it, because I think, you know, while this is a specific story about a California bill, this is, by and large, a a big problem facing
10: Americans in every state. Would you agree? It absolutely is, because it's, up until this point in time, there's been this weird slide down from, you know, what you talked about, the normal standard for human biology— in which men would mate with women, and that was how things would be carried out throughout our species. We've now started you know, going down this long, weird, dark tunnel to where definitions are meaningless. Well, there's a problem. When you start making definitions meaningless, you can't really enforce laws. You can't actually set standards. So the left has backed themselves into this weird corner. Remember, only a few years ago, they were saying that well, you're not exactly born gay, but you are born gay if you are gay, and so therefore we need to make all of these laws and and things of that nature. Now we're coming to the trans question and listening to State Senator Scott Weiner, who's one of the co-sponsors of AB 957, tell a crowd of parents uh, that we need to not give any kind of testimonies against a bill that would affirm transgenderism because that is erasing Trans children, and then he said erasing gay and lesbian children, uh, which, as a former biology teacher, kind of shocked me because, again, the entire idea of of the gay movement was that you can sexually love whoever you want. My question to State Senator Scott Weiner would be, what children are you talking to that are expressing sexual desires, and why on God's green earth are we encouraging it? And that's specifically what AB nine fifty seven encourages parents to do. It encourages parents to affirm the gender expression, not just quote unquote transgenderism, kind of the catch all term, but if your child comes up to you and says they are two spirit, you are required to affirm them, whatever whatever that means. And if you don't, you are withholding a basic need from your child, like food, water, shelter, and the state of California could take your kids away from you. If you're a local business, you know, a school can't withhold certain basic needs from kids, neither can a church or hospital with kids in their care. And the state would be able to, under the new, completely rewritten California Family Code, charge you or your business or your church with child abuse because you didn't tell that child that what they, pre- they were pretending they are or what they thought they were uh, was in fact reality. It is bizarre. world doesn't even begin to describe it. And I've looked through policy for years. I've worked in education for years. I've never seen such a deep spiral down the slippery slope than we're currently in. So much so that it drove one California state senator, who'd been in the legislature for seven or for, excuse me for 11 years, to tell fellow Californians to flee the state if they loved their children. Have, have you ever heard of a, a state senator telling his constituents to get out? No, but thank God he did. And I'm glad I don't live in California. This is some crazy
1: stuff. Like I said, it's literally crazy town. Tony, can stick with us? I want to continue getting into this because the only uh, uh, response that I can think of right now is a couple of expletives that the FCC won't allow. So I'll blurt <laughs> those out during the break and how we're going to come back to this because I just it's insane to think that this is actually happening. Uh, Folks, we're on with Tony Kinnett. He's with the Daily Signal investigative columnist there. And you can get him on Twitter at The Tonus, T-H-E-T-O-N-U-S. And we're talking about a California bill that would charge any parent who doesn't affirm transgenderism, well, it would charge him with child abuse. Plus, there's another crazy story out of California that we're going to get to. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez, our guest, Tony Kinnett. We're talking about the attack on parents and children. And we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez.
9: In recent years, we have put government bureaucrats between parents, children, and doctors when it comes to medical care. And now we have this where if a parent does not support the ideology of the government, they're going to be taken away from the home. Now, I agree with both Senator Weiner and Senator Laird that today it only involves divorce proceedings. And frankly, a judge can already factor factor this in, but I can assure you it's not going to end with divorce proceedings in the past. When we've had these discussions and I've seen parental rights atrophied, I've encouraged I've encouraged people to keep fighting. I've changed my mind on that. If you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee. We are moving towards the pathway of the hands made tale California is becoming the new Gilead and it, it just breaks my heart I'm born and raised in this state. I love this state. I'm not going to stay in this state because it's just too oppressive and I believe in freedom. And so I'm going to move to America when I leave the legislature.
1: <laughs> He's moving to America. God bless him. That's uh, state Senator Scott Wilk, a Republican from California at a hearing on Tuesday, urging parents to flee California over this bill we're discussing, which enforces. uh, parents to um, to teach gender transition and everything that goes along with it to their children or eventually be held liable for child abuse. Our guest, Tony Kinnett, he's an investigative columnist with the Daily Signal, and he's written a piece on this. And uh, Tony Kinnett, we were just talking about this before the break. This is truly amazing. Thank God for this guy being like a modern day Paul Revere and, and uh, really sticking up for parents. But you know, crazy, right? I mean, it's absolutely crazy that you've got politicians saying, do you love your kids? Get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Tony Kennett, what say you?
10: Uh, I'm, it's unprecedented, that's for sure. But I, I think I'll put a little bit more of a cautionary tale, kind of a tagline there to the end of what he's saying. And that is what progressives see they can get away with in California. They will try to do in each and every state, in each and every local government across the country, not just in the blue states, not just in Illinois and Washington and New York, not just in the battleground states, your Wisconsin's, your Missouri's, your, your well, I guess now Georgia, sort of, but also your deep red states. They're trying this already in states like Indiana. They're trying this in other red states like Idaho, and they will continue trying whatever they think they can get away with because this has become a religion to them. They are more devoted to this Strange, weird uh, life obsession with uh, sexualization and, and this hedonistic nonsense than most Americans are with the day to day. It truly is something that we all need to keep an eye on because it's not going away anytime soon.
1: Now, Tony Kennett, I want to ask you a question, and you know, no pressure. But I, I, I think this comes down to two things. One, this is how Marxists typically operate. Right. They find an issue that that can work as a wedge and they will drive it and drive like worker versus employee, uh, you know, employee trying to unionize or whatever. And what have you, uh, the government versus the 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 capitalist. And that's typical M.O. for them. But another part of this with the hyper sexualization part is this guy, Alfred Kinsey, who uh, seems to have made a lot of disciples along the way in his crazy talk, um, not the least of them, which was this guy, Daniel Carlton Gajasek. And uh, Gajasek famously said that children who are not participating in intergenerational sex in their families and helping with sex in the family home are missing out. Now, these are sick, sick, perverted, demonic people. But I feel like you've got the mix of these two, the, the crazies on the left that want kids to have sex with adults, and the crazies on the left that think that Marx is their god. And voila, here we've arrived today. Am I oversimplifying? Am I missing something? What say you?
10: you're not oversimplifying. To point out Kinsey, remember, Kinsey also founded the Kinsey Institute, which is a wing of the uh, Indiana University that focused on, well, later on, they they claimed they focused on sexual health, but some of the sexual experiments that came out of that wing of the university were so uh, atrocious that, like your mention of the FCC last time, I I certainly can't mention those on the air. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thank God the Indiana legislature did finally pull funding from them. But I think that your comment about children being encouraged to a sexual experiment is not just related to just any adult in general. The, the rise in searches for incest pornography in the last five years in this country has risen by a factor of 12. So I, that is a ridiculously high logarithmic climb for in, individuals who are interested in incest. Individuals who are interested also in in things like child pornography and the many different ways that that's created and distributed and also drawn and now AI generated as well. It is on the rise so fast now that departments of the U.S. government, if they pay any attention to it, which is you know, starkingly little, uh, they say it is, it is so it's pervasive now it is difficult for them to even begin to track. And this is this idea that comes out of a society who has long since become complacent with how the rest of society upholds the moral standard. Uh, You know, I I go back to to what Tucker Carlson said the other day on his his Tucker on Twitter, and when he talked about how, as a society, we used to hold these community taboos. And if anyone ever touched a child, that person would just disappear. You didn't have to wait for the police to get involved. That that rapist would be gone. They would cease to exist, to quote uh, uh, the doctor from Back to the Future. So I kind of look around and wonder at this point, of course I'm I'm not encouraging vigilanteism, but I am wondering as a society, where are the taboos that we used to hold? Why have we become so complacent that we see something on the news, we see something terrible like what's going on in California, and not just with this bill, like you said, with the earlier with the sisters of perpetual indulgence and that mockery to Christianity that was portrayed at the Dodger Stadium. At what point is that actually enough for us to take action? At what point is that actually enough for us to collectively as a society say that's enough? Because so far, Republicans, conservatives, independents, they kind of grumble and mumble about it. They may even give kind of a half-hearted boycott attempt. But, but what really happens? I mean, you heard Paul Ryan get up in front of uh, a large <laughs> news studio and say that he doesn't who? get involved Paul in who? the culture war. I, I worked for Governor Walker's office. I've met Paul Ryan more times than I can count. And to hear someone that, that, I've, that I had worked with back when I was preparing briefs for the Wisconsin governor uh, will get up in front of people and say, I just kind of whistle past the graveyard when it comes to children drag shows. That's too polarizing. Look, if you're too worried about coming out against children drag shows because that's too polarizing, forget being in politics. You shouldn't be out walking among us. I don't want to associate with you. This would be something that we all universally agree on, not something that's a battleground state issue. Yeah, listen, I refuse to believe
1: that guys like my dad, I can say, and again, nobody here knows my dad, but my dad was not a political guy in any way. He could care less. But if he saw something happening to a kid, saw a drag queen, like taking kids somewhere for like circle time in a storybook, I can guarantee you my dad would be like what the f and go over there and break it up and be like where's your parents what's going on get out of here bro and he would probably start a fight with the guy because that's and again he's not a gay basher it was because that's just not appropriate right <laughs> that's not that was not a normal thing for anybody to see in his generation now god rest his soul he's not here but where are those guys right uh, what what happened to that and i realized that we've undergone this barrage of feminization and emasculation and so much has happened in recent years to get us to this place. But like you said, at what point, what is the straw that breaks the camel's back? And is there a straw anymore? Is there a straw heavy enough to break this damn camel's back? Or will we just take everything and accept it for what it is in the name of whatever? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to it. I'd love uh, for the callers to weigh in on that. Eight three three four 4 valdez Something else that you said, Tony, Kennett. What I thought was, was really interesting is how we, um, we, we, we've gone away from these taboos. And I don't know if we get back to them because I think that was where the damage was done. We've worked so hard to erase them. Anyway, stick around with us. i got to take a pause right here. We're coming right back. We're with Tony Kinnett talking about something I think that's very important because if it happens in California, it will happen in your neighborhood next. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night America at Night, with Rich Valdez.
8: My transmasculine friends were showing off their top surgery scars and living in joy, and I wanted to join them. And because it is perfectly within the law in Washington, DC, I decided to join them and cover my nipples just to play it safe because I wanted to be fully free and myself. I had zero intention of trying to be vulgar or be profane in any way. I was simply living in joy, living my truth and existing in my body. Happy pride, free
1: the nipple. And that is Rose Montoya uh, responding to the White House, now banning uh, Rose Montoya from participating in future White House events because they were taking selfies with the president of the United States, Joe Biden, in one scene. And the next scene, they were topless in the ellipse of the White House on the on the lawn there. It just absolutely disgraceful. Uh, Not that that they were topless, per se, but that they were topless at the White House. Uh, You just don't do that. Right. I mean, who does that? Well, obviously, Rose Montoya did with a couple of her uh, trans activist friends. And again, that was just something that happened over the weekend. But overall, we're talking about how uh, the, the trans activists are having their way, getting their way with everything. We're on with Tony Kennett from The Daily Signal. And he's written this piece about how parents are getting the short end of the stick and might be charged with child abuse if, in fact, they don't support uh, teaching their children about transgenderism. You've got a state senator telling people, if you love your kids, get the heck out of California. And I want you guys to weigh in. Let's go to your calls. Our guest again, Tony Kinnett, is on the line with us, investigative columnist at The Daily Signal. Let's go to Andrew calling from Sebring, Florida, WWTK. Go
7: right ahead. Hey, Rich. I just wanted to tell you guys, um, as far as, you know, are there people who still you know, do something about this themselves. Where I'm from in Jamaica, not so long ago, I witnessed something as such, and I thought it was very empowering. It was a gentleman going around the neighborhood, and he had gotten to quite a few women raping them. And the, the guys in the neighborhood, we have cops and everything, but, you know, not such a great thing. The guys in the neighborhood set up for that fella, and they found him. And I remember 6 a.m. just hearing a tumble of people going down the street, and i get up and go see what's going on, too. And they had this guy up on a light pole, okay, with his head and hands behind his back, his genitals in his mouth, and he was oh. done. And nothing said about that. We call it jungle law, sir. It's, it's, it's the best thing ever.
1: Wow. Thank you,
7: Andrew. Yeah,
1: again, uh I'd probably get in trouble if I endorse something like that. So I won't do that on the air.
10: But I will say Can't uh, endorse that one, but you yeah. know I, <laughs> I won't when do I, when it. I but, hear, damn, he shouldn't have done it either. Yeah, when I hear that a uh when I hear that a convicted rapist or child molester um passes away in prison, let's say due to ground glass in his food. My my dad used to tell me stories like that when I was growing up about those kind of things would happen to to man in prison. Whenever I hear a story like that, um, d- do I endorse what happens? No. Do, do I smile reflexively? Perhaps there's something about <laughs> someone receiving justice for especially heinous crimes that, yeah. you know, it's the reason you, you, there's just a little something to that, you know?
1: I totally get that. Tony, Kinnett, let everybody know where they can find you, how they can uh, keep up with the work that you're doing and, um, and read the articles that you're putting out on the daily signal.
10: You can read all of my latest work at dailysignal.com. You can find me over on Twitter at The Tonus, T-H-E-T-O-N-U-S. My DMs are open. Talk to a lot of parents and teachers all the time, making sure that we expose a lot of this nonsense so that you know what's going on in your community.
1: Outstanding. Well, I love the work you're doing. Keep up the good work and uh, Godspeed to you. hope to have you back soon.
10: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again, Rich.
1: You bet, Tony. Now, folks, straight ahead, we're going to get to your calls. I see we've got calls from New Jersey, calls from Florida, and more coming in. We're going to get to that right now. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. (laughs)
4: listen to you rich all the time
0: america at night with rich valdez
1: all right continuing with your calls and again i want to remind everybody right now we're about to wrap up on this topic but we're about to kick off open phone america that's where you guys get to call in 833-4valdez and share your opinions so you can be heard all across the country let's go to lance galloway new jersey w-o-n-d go right ahead sir
11: Hey, good evening, Rich. I'm sorry I missed hey, your guest, but uh, he was right on. He definitely rung the bell with the fact that the uh, well, the people in charge, parents and uh, p- educators, and even the like, he said, "Where's the moral fiber?" Well, the, mo- the moralists have dropped the ball because the last thirty years, all the deviant and uh, heinous hiding uh, religious figures in certain. Uh, I guess, uh, religions, c- Catholic, uh, even in uh, Presbyterian. I mean, people are, you know, there's too many people uh, abusing kids sexually within the, the yep. different halls of uh, prayer. That's number one. Number two, you said the uh, perv- uh, it's pervasive. Well, it's pervasive, it's perverted, and it's practiced, and it's mm-hmm. condoned by the acceleration of all the different websites where kids can go on and see all sorts of you know, vulgar things, and now you have people that, in sixth grade are trying to allow people to to introduce kids to transgenderism or don't deny them that right to be aware of it. well, excuse me i, I if i'm not, if I'm not mistaken, things come those in charge that have been plotting to take over the whole moral fiber and destroy the constitution. they're only setting this up for some state eventually to progress like the use of drugs and hardcore drugs and everything and anything on the street. And there's no fines to accept pedophilia. And that's what these people are aiming for. They yep. want hell's bells. They want everything they can get, why they can get it. And the fact that a man and a woman still are the only two things in the human species that can do this aside from, you know, in vitro fertilization, you know, to produce a child. However, even in the first eight weeks of in vitro, that's when the, the the child is identified as what it's going to be. So anything that's this, this dystopia and this, this disillusionment of trying to find out who your sexual identity is, well, you know what? They're only, you know, really uh, horrific narcissists, and all they want to do is self-pleasure. They're hedonists. And it's a shame. And parents have to protect their children no matter what. And schools should not allow that. And if, it's, you know, they have open night, well, I guess. guess Lance, what? you're a
1: former educator. I, 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 have you not noticed that schools are perpetuating this? Forget not allowing it. I, I have a kid that's 17 years old. She's graduating high school in, in several days. And that's why I try to keep it vague so she doesn't run into any trouble there. But let me tell you, she told me, she tells me, this new principle we have, is ushering this in. She said, we never had a transgender bathroom policy until this new principal came and felt like that was the right thing to do. So now she's forced to go to the girl's bathroom with boys that identify as girls and they're in the bathroom and she doesn't like it. So she has to go to the nurse's bathroom or some other bathroom where it's like a single stall type of thing. It's the educators that are ushering this in.
11: There are administrators and educators and even people. Remember, they're devious, they're deceitful. They know how to paint the emperor's clothes and this is what they're doing and unfortunately that's the way it is two last things real fast rich number one your bumper music tonight was outstanding and number two god bless you and your father and may you have an enjoyable father's day weekend all right
1: oh thank you lance very kind of you folks we're coming right back open phone america get those calls in 833-4valdez we're coming right back to your calls right now don't go anywhere Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you. Give us a call on our late night nationwide town hall forum, 833, the number four, Valdez. 8334Valdez is our phone number. We've talked about a number of things tonight in hours number one and number two. We've uh, had some discussion on the new bill that's being proposed in California where if parents don't accept Uh, transgenderism uh, and and don't affirm that they'll teach that to their children, that they can, in in, in some instances, be held liable for abuse. And that's going to become a state law. At least that's the consideration right now. Uh, You've got state senators saying, if you love your kids, get out of the state. I mean, it's absolute insanity what's going on there. Uh, we, we've also discussed the the mental and uh, psychological implications going on with people who are just super anti-Trump and uh, flipping out that he's not in jail yet, others that are flipping out that he got indicted. Either way, there was some psychological impact on that, so we're going to uh, take your comments on that as well. And uh, everything else that we've talked about tonight, lots of news out there tonight that— um, we've we've discussed and lots more to discuss again the phone number eight three three four valdez i'm going to go straight to your calls because we've had a number of people on hold for a while let's go to ralph port st lucy florida wpsl uh, ralph welcome
4: thank you rich uh for your very entertaining and informative to you Um, The question comes up, why, uh, you're welcome, the question of why is this nonsense taking place in our country today? I'm going to read you something, and then I'll tell you where I got it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and they put darkness for light and light for darkness. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. I read that from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Um, you know, it tells us in the Bible that we will see the time when this happens. Um, drag queens in the elementary school, good. Uh, criminal in the White House, good. Uh, you know, it's all been prophesied a long time ago. You know, um, you got to remember nothing takes God by surprise. Um, yeah. Next time that you get angry, as I do, just keep this in mind. There will be no pride rallies in hell.
1: <laughs> Excellent point, Ralph. And uh, great r- words to live by uh, for, for managing uh, oneself, one's own pride. And uh, like the Bible says, pride comes before the fall. Thank you, Ralph, and Port St. Lucie on WPSL for your kind words and uh, your words of wisdom as well. Let us continue across the country here. Let's go to Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Let's go to Katie. Hey, Katie, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome.
12: Hi, Thank you. Um, I just have a couple of things I'd like to say. One regarding all this uh, southern border, border invasion stuff. I have to wonder, yeah. where are all the white supremacist groups that we supposed to have in the country? Is there <laughs> Why aren't strange? they doing
1: anything about this?
12: <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like, hello. Um, that's like, I just keep wondering that. And then uh, the other thing is, I know it's going to sound strange, but it is strange. Remember back in, I think it was the 60s or other group times, like maybe the 50s, the government was doing experimental experiments on people with drugs and not really telling them that this is an experiment? Mm. It kind of makes me wonder if whatever was happening during those drug tests and stuff is that like something that passed down through, um, you know, from grandfather to grandson and so on and so forth? Because with all the anger and the weird things going on now—could that be, you know, a reason? Maybe
1: fascinating know. question. And I'll start with the first. I just want to address both points that you made. Uh, the first point that you made was, you know, the, the FBI and and many on the left and of our political spectrum say that the biggest threat facing America are white supremacist groups, right? These violent domestic extremists. And you're saying, you know, we got all this drama at the border, and these people typically, um, you know, they hate anybody that's coming and threatening their white way of life, then where are these white supremacists and why aren't they securing the border? <laughs> it's, a, it's an excellent point. And not that I support that. It's just that it makes all the sense in the world that they, we keep hearing about this threat of white supremacy, yet we can't find any of these, these Nazi crazies to, to go and lock down the border. Very, very good point. Uh, the second point is, yeah, I forget what it was called. It wasn't Operation Paperclip, but it was one of those operations uh, conducted by the CIA where they used all these psychotropic drugs to influence people. MKUltra, that was it. And uh, the uh, MK Ultra and, and they say it was discontinued, and it was a project between the CIA and universities. And it makes me wonder, what makes me think that we're not doing you know, MKUltra 2.0 today? But your point is equally as valid that maybe these are the children like there was children of thalidomide. Uh, there's there could be children of MKUltra, uh, the, the offspring or even the grandchildren today that are manifesting as, you know, all sorts of crazy today because they were the product of of these people that were tampered with, if you will. Uh, experimented upon. Uh, excellent point. Very, very uh, uh, interesting point. Maybe we could turn that into a whole segment if I do a little research on that. Katie, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Reading, Pennsylvania. Big shout out to you guys on W.E.E.U. And let's see. We continue our journey across the country. Let's go to Justin, Manchester, New Hampshire, listening online. Rich Valdez, America at night dot com. Justin, go right ahead.
5: Rich, thank you for taking my call, as always. I really appreciate yes, it. Um, it's such an honor to speak with you every time um rich um i tell you man uh you know those of us who are patriots we need to stick together more than ever now and uh there yeah there's mm-hmm. just so much in sandy going on and uh you know i i have a feeling that it, california is is just the beginning of it and, i mean that state that state's a lost cause i don't think there's any hope for that state i really don't and, um you know personally i'm uh i mean i'm gonna be brutally honest but personally i'm a big supporter of the death penalty. And I, I don't think we do enough executions and I don't think our laws are strict enough. And, um, I'll tell you, be honest with you, Rich. I, I believe that any kind of predator, you know, rapist, any kind of predator, they should be put to death. And anyone who tries to brainwash or corrupt a child should be locked up and thrown in jail. There should be no tolerance for those kind of people. You know, there really shouldn't be. And and that's the thing we're seeing way too much tolerance there's no accountability anymore. And now we're seeing the result of that. I mean, like you said, it, it's insanity. There, There's no law and order. You know, it's just anarchy now. Um, and uh, that's mm-hmm. how I feel about it. And also, also on a side note, Rich, uh, President Trump, you know, he needs our support more than ever. We need to stand behind him. And, uh, you know, even yeah, though, I hear even you though he hasn't one. been lying.
1: Well, listen to this. I'll tell you a story. You know, I used to host a radio show from 10 a.m. to noon in uh, New York City. And in New York, I remember I had a guest once, and it was a contrarian guest, he was arguing the um, affirmative that it's better to keep someone incarcerated for life than to put them on death row and, and, uh, and, uh, and execute them. And and he was saying that, you know, you put somebody on death row for 10 years or maybe 20 years, uh, he said it's way cheaper to just keep them in jail for life. He said even if they do 60 years. And I thought, hold on, sir. How, how are you telling me that it's cheaper to keep somebody in jail for 60 years versus keeping them in jail for 20 years and then killing them for 10 years and then uh, executing them? And, and he, you know, this is a Ph.D., really, you know, on paper, very smart guy, but he couldn't make an argument that I don't think anybody would buy and ultimately, there are a group of activists out there posing as professors or professors posing as activists, however you want to phrase it, that are out there making the case that capital punishment doesn't work. And again, I, my argument wasn't that it was better or worse. My argument was it's just cheaper. If somebody is convicted of a crime by a jury of their peers, and again, ours, our system isn't perfect, but it's the best one that we've got, and they're convicted, then what do we do? Keep them... Uh, for 60 years in, in, in appeals and whatnot, I think that they have their chance. And after that, you got to go for it. So I'm with you. Uh, in, in with the respect to states have the right to implement uh, capital punishment if they like. And if they do, if that's the law of, of the land in their state, then they should be able to do what they've got to do. And I don't think that we should... Uh, Create these lifelong sentences for people that have been sentenced to death because all that does is really prolong the process, number one. And number two, that's what costs money when you're talking about $62,000 a year or whatever the latest number is to keep an inmate in a prison cell. So I just think uh, it's crazy that we have that movement. But, again, to each his own. Everybody has a right uh, to free speech. You know, go for it. But uh, I'm with you on that one, Justin. I believe that if the state has capital punishment and they're sentenced to capital punishment and convicted by a jury of their peers and have exhausted their appeals, then by all means uh, move forward with the with the sentence that was imposed. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think that's uh, – a battle that we're we're not going to win. I think most states rather not uh, use the death penalty. And I respect that too. Listen, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But don't have it then. you know, like change your laws and and that's that. Anyway, thank you, Justin. I appreciate the call and your kind words. Uh, let us uh, continue right after this break. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at night with Rich Valdez. Call now eight three three. For Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: All right, America, welcome back. We continue with our open phone America extravaganza, taking your calls from all across the country. Let's go to Ken Lansing, Michigan, W-I-L-S. Ken, go right ahead.
13: Hey, good evening, Rich. Uh, Rich, uh, Jim Bohannon would be really proud of you, the way you've grabbed the reins and led this horse down the path. So congrats to you, my friend. Thank you, sir. You're more than welcome off. Uh, this uh this moral decline in our country that's happened for the last twenty years has just but literally in like the last five, six, eight years has just completely blown my mind. I don't understand how two or three percent of the population can dictate the values and morals to the rest of America. And we have a completely worthless Attorney General here in Michigan by the name of Dana Nessel,
1: who literally... Oh, I remember year. Dana Nessel. Oh, I remember her. She's a real piece of work. What a clown. Go right ahead.
13: Do you remember what she said at a at a uh, middle school or an elementary school? Yeah, she got in a lot
1: of trouble for making a lot of stupid comments. Which one are you particularly referring to?
13: She was there at an either an elementary or or a junior high school. And it was drag queen day. And she was literally telling the crowd that every school in Michigan should have a drag queen. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. She said every
1: school in America, I think she said, should have a drag queen. I was like, ma'am, aren't you the attorney
13: general? Like, why are you even talking about this? It was the craziest thing. It just blows my mind, Rich. You know, I've got a daughter that's 20. But when she was 12, 13, and 14, and if I took her shopping anywhere, and we went to a mall or a store, where the, and she had to use the bathroom, I stood outside that bathroom, and there wasn't going to be one damn boy that walked in that bathroom while my daughter was in there. And I don't give a damn what anybody said. I would, I guess I would have went to jail before I would have allowed that boy to go in there while my daughter was in there. That's,
1: you know, that's Ken, the way it is. I, I still do that to this day. Uh, my oldest daughter is going to be 22 in a, in a couple of weeks. My youngest daughter will be 18 on her next birthday. And and uh, I've always done it, but I do it with more v- vigilance now, not because of what I hear in the news, but because of a guest we had on. I think his name was Scott Smith, and he was the dad from Loudoun County, Virginia, whose daughter went to the girls' bathroom in her high school and was sexually assaulted by a boy wearing a skirt In the high school bathroom during school hours. And I remember how, you know, I had met him prior to having him on. And I remember how bothered he was, and rightfully so. And I thought to myself, my goodness, if your kid can't be safe in school. And then they went about covering it up. And the people who covered up eventually got indicted. Thank God for that. But when that happened um, about a year and a half ago, I said, you know what? You got to look out for your kids even more than you normally do. So I think you're 100% spot on. Kudos to you for being a good dad, and thank you for the call and your kind words. Big shout out to everybody in Lansing, Michigan. W I L S. Let us continue our little journey here across the country. Where do we go, Don? Don's on the road, trucker on the road. Big shout out to all the truckers out there. Don's listening on KDKA online. Go right ahead, Don.
14: Rich, good evening. Good evening. Pleasure to yes, talk sir. with you. Likewise. Thank you. Um, I have a question. So let's say that I have two young children and they take their lunch to school every day. And I fill it full of Snickers candy bars and Kit Kats and Pixie Sticks. And I give them a big old jug of Hawaiian Punch. And they go to school every day. Don't you think somebody would say, what are you doing
1: to your children? Right, you're ruining your kid. They're going to become diabetic. You're going to ruin their teeth.
14: Yes, and I don't let my children brush their teeth or floss on a regular basis because they don't have to. Now, sooner or later, somebody is going to be after me because I am neglecting the welfare of my children. So my question is, if if I'm going to get in trouble for that, and I lived in California— How am I going to get in trouble for not uh, teaching my children what the government and the school districts of that state wants? Because I thought that we still had religious freedom in this country, Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, not
1: to mention just straight up parental rights. Even if you're an atheist, you should be able to discipline and protect your kid.
14: So if, uh, let's say the state of whatever decides that they're going to push it, every child becomes a sharpshooter. And if you don't teach your son or daughter how to use a high-powered white rifle to do mass shootings, then <laughs> I am in violation of that rule. Now, is that ridiculous yeah. also?
1: Absolutely crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. And I would never support
14: such a thing, Don. That would be lunacy. But my my thing is this, is that your agenda that you have in life and for your family is not my agenda that I have for my family and my life. And if mm-hmm. you are gay or trans, you have a different agenda, agenda, but it is not mine. Right. But I, I, I don't have the right, the authority to push what I feel, my beliefs, even being a Christian nowadays. Oh, you're one of those people. You're a Christian. Yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> you're one of those. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, what do they call them? Bible thumper. I'm, I'm really? not a Bible thumper, um, but I will. No, you know, so Listen, let me
1: just day. go off on a quick tangent on that, Don, because you know what? We really have gotten to a place where it went from being like, oh, you're Catholic. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, okay. That's what most people are in this country. That's fine. To, to being, oh, my gosh, you're one of those people? And, and again, it, it's so odd to me because, Everybody else is in the minority. There are still more Christians in this country than anybody else, but yet we've created this this um, this culture where it's okay to bash the Christian, it's okay to bash dads, it's okay to bash manly men. We support something now called the dad bod, which I like to call fat slob, uh, even if I have one. Listen, if I'm a fat slob, I'm a fat slob. I'm, I'm not, don't call me dad bod, but anyway done. You're 100% right on. I appreciate it. More from your calls straight up. Don't go anywhere. Valdez. All right, America. So listen to this. Welcome back, by the way. Uh, our phone number, 8334-VALDEZ. We're going to get to your calls right now. I just want you to hear this story real quick. Human embryos created without egg or sperm in controversial breakthrough. Yep. This is a uh, dramatic scientific first where research, researchers created a synthetic human embryo without using sperm or an egg. No one knows if these embryonic structures created from stem cells could develop into a viable living organism or what the organism might be like, but the breakthrough is sure to ignite uh, furious ethical, legal, and scientific debate. Now, we had um, a stem cell expert on not that long ago that was talking about how you know he didn't support his colleagues using stem cells in the area of cloning, uh, but um, also felt that artificial intelligence played a role and had a place in medicine, but uh, disliked um, many of the areas. And that was a really good interview. Uh, if you any miss any of the interviews ever on this program, make sure you go check it out. RichValdezAmericaAtNight.com. You can subscribe to the podcast so it just pops up into your phone every day. Uh, or you can just look for whatever you like and play it as a replay. But everything is available for you there. com. Make sure you check that out. And anyway, these synthetic embryo models had primordial cells that would eventually develop into egg and sperm cells. So um, this is being uh, reported by The Guardian UK and The New York Post. And one of the quotes here is, our human model is the first human embryo model that specifies... Uh, a minion and germ cells, uh, which are the precursor cells of egg and sperm. This is according to the California Institute of Technology professor Magdalena Zernica getz So I'll keep you posted on this one. And again, um, it only makes sense if we're talking about embryos and eggs to announce that Al Pacino, the uh, famous Hollywood actor of gangster movie fame, and his girlfriend have given birth officially making him an 83-year-old father of four. So congrats to Al Pacino and his new baby. He's now a father of four at 83 years old. God bless him. Let us continue with your calls. All right, here we go. Let's go to Jim in Marysville, Washington, listening to Rich Valdez, America online. Go right ahead. Online, go right ahead.
15: Hi, um... Uh... I heard on the uh, local television station KOMO
2: in Seattle
15: mm-hmm. tonight that uh uh police cannot uh arrest people who create uh, graffiti. And I isn't think that interesting? another stab in the back for companies that are just leaving major
9: cities?
1: Uh, yeah, well listen I mean, in the Seattle area, and by the way, we're on KTTH in uh, Seattle. If you're ever up late enough and you hear it, I'm grateful for your listenership. Uh, Great station, KTTH. But yeah, you're right. Uh, The city of Seattle announced this week that it would be stopping its enforcement of property and crimes related to graffiti in the wake of a ruling from a district court judge saying that, no, you can't pursue this. And um, it's interesting. The injunction was issued Wednesday by U.S. District Court Judge Marsha Peckman, asserting that Seattle's property damage laws surrounding graffiti pose a real threat to censorship. And that's part of a larger lawsuit stemming from the arrest of four people who were arrested for writing Black Lives Matter and anti-police slogans in chalk on concrete barriers outside SPD's East Precinct. Now, I got to tell you, you your right to free speech should be limited to to your your sign, wh- whatever it is, uh, you know, what you're holding. But if you're going to deface public property in order to have that speech, well, I think that that's on you, right? If I have free speech that I want to write on the street or I want to write on police barricades, I would only expect for them to say, look, you could put it on your shirt, you could carry a sign, but you can't sit here and, you know, take what isn't yours. Um, but that's exactly what's happening thus far with this federal uh, judge, uh, Pausing this and saying, no, 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 we're, we're not going to enforce that right now. Crazy stuff. Thank you for the call and for the heads up on that story. Jim in Marysville, Washington. And a big shout out to our affiliate there, KTTH. Let us continue. Where do we go from here? Let's go to stay on the West Coast. We'll stay on the West Coast. Uh, we're going to go to Michael in Pendleton, Oregon. K-U-M-A. Go right ahead.
15: Yes, Rich. Hey, uh, how are you doing? Um, Wonderful. I had to call in again the topic. You always have great topics, but it kinda uh hits close to home. Um the most important thing in my life, uh, like a lot of Americans, uh, is my Christian Catholic faith. Um mm-hmm. and I love my country, I love my fellow Americans, um, and they all have a right to believe they want the way they want to believe. Um, and I uh respect that. But I feel, you know, I'm sure not the only one that feels this way, like my faith is under attack um, <clears throat> in my church and maybe some some of the other uh, churches that my friends go to, my closest friends. And, um, uh, you know, and you mentioned last night, I wanted to add the uh, Hispanic community. I think they're great. A lot of my friends are Hispanic, and they're such an important part of our country, um, I think they're a great community. I know you were mentioning about Miami and the Cuban community. Um, oh, sure. Great people, uh, Rich, and so I wanted to add that. But um, that's honestly how I feel. Uh, you know, I like my faith is is under fire, at least at times. And, um, you know, you know I'm not the only one that feels that way.
2: Yeah,
1: I agree with you. I don't think you're the only one that feels that way. I think a lot of people feel that way. I think we've paved the way for many things in our culture. And what I mean by the cultures are sitcoms, our entertainment establishments, uh, et cetera. I think it's become acceptable to, to mock Christianity, which is the majority religion in our country. I think it's become acceptable to, to mock traditional manliness uh, and masculinity. I think it's uh, also become the butt of every joke and every sitcom to make fun of the dad on the show. You know, when I was a kid and a little old school watching shows like Little House on the Prairie, but Charlie Ingalls. Yeah, you know, This guy was a G as we say on the street, right? <laughs> he was the man in his household and everybody looked up to him in town and everywhere else. Uh, but you know, Ricky Ricardo, you know, there was a back and forth with him and his wife, but he was still the husband. He was the man. It was, it was a great show. But, and, and these are the shows that I did watch growing up Ralph Cramden on the honeymooners. Um, so my parents watched, we were poor. They had the rights to the TV. So I had to watch what they were watching but th- that's what it was. And now today it seems like every dad in every sitcom is some sort of blundering idiot who can, and you know, he's only good for some slapstick comedy where he just, you know, drives a nail right into his own thumb. And it, it was, it, I feel like dads have been ridiculed. Uh, you have a court system that has eliminated dad's rights at a, at a level that's way superior than, than what you've ever seen happen to women. And you couple all of that with the changes that we have uh, in in the body politic and and our culture and our music, our entertainment. And voila, you have a recipe for people that not only hate uh, Christians, but they hate Christian men. And that's the latest thing. Right. Nobody wants to hear from another white Christian man or an old white Christian man. And and it's like it's it's okay to be an ageist and a racist and a misogynist or a misandrist uh, as long as you're you're doing it against old white men. That's, that's the, the biggest threat in America. And again, I'm not here necessarily to support and defend old white men, but I would think if somebody said that about me, the biggest threat in America is, you know, uh, young, mid-career Hispanic guys, I'd say, hey, um, my call letters are F you, right? I mean, <laughs> what else could you say to somebody like that? You can't reason with people like that. So uh, I think you're raising a good point. Uh, the Christian faith has definitely been under attack, as has tr- the traditional family, the traditional marriage, and so much. And it's kind of part of why we do what we do. And I'm, I appreciate your call, Michael. Uh, we're getting to the rest of your calls. We got calls from all over. We're talking about Delaware, Albany, New York, Jefferson City, Missouri, Evergreen, Montana. We're zigzagging across the country and we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833 482 5337-833-4VALDEZ. 3, 3, 3, 3, That's Valdez with an S.
1: Straight to the middle of America. Let's go to Bill in Jefferson City, Missouri, KTTR. Bill, our resident historian. Go right ahead, sir.
2: Yes,
6: sir. Uh, wanted to let you know, since we were talking about death penalties uh, tonight, uh, yes. a Burt Lancaster film that he really oversold, and uh, the Birdman of Alcatraz. But before he did that, he was at uh, Fort Leavenworth, And he had a great PR team, or that's where he did the birds first, and he had a PR team that appealed to three presidents, Woodrow Wilson's wife, remember, Woodrow Wilson was uh, invalidated, and uh, so she agreed that he shouldn't be put to death, so he got out of the death penalty at Leavenworth. Then he also later appealed to Harry Truman, and he also appealed to President Kennedy, But unfortunately, he died before uh, the night before uh, Kennedy's assassination. So it never made the news, but it was a great story.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like it. And let me tell you, Bill, you know, this is coming on the heels of a call we just had from Washington where they were saying they're no longer prosecuting crimes for graffiti. And this is stemming from a lawsuit over chalk over uh, people using chalk to write on the floor things about Black Lives Matter and things that uh, had to do with like anti-police slurs on police barricades. And I thought to myself, and I'm telling you this because I know you're our resident historian here on the program, and um, I once, uh, I was very into graffiti art uh, in my teenage years and was going to do a mural once <clears throat> and had no idea that I needed to get uh, prior express permission because the wall that we were using was destroyed with, like, chicken scratch vandalism, and we were going to put a really nice piece of art there, nice and colorful. And um, Well, anyway, uh, an undercover cop came and let me know that that wasn't allowed, me and my two buddies, and escorted us to uh, the county police station. And as you, were telling, as you were telling your story about Alcatraz, I was like, I've never been to prison. The closest I ever went was I sat in a cell in that county police station. But uh, it, it just made me think of how they're not prosecuting crimes for graffiti in Washington. I could have used that as a teenager. Uh, ultimately, nothing came of it. Um, but it, it was just an interesting story and interesting to see how the Birdman of Alcatraz appealed to all, all these different presidents, not the least of which was Woodrow Wilson, who is really one of my least favorite presidents people in history. Not only was uh, I think he was a bad president, but he was also a uh, bad uh, governor in New Jersey and president of Princeton. The guy was just miserable, but had success in politics. Go figure, Bill.
6: (laughs) You got that right. I I agree with you totally.
1: Yeah. Well, now you have a little tidbit from my own history. Thank you, Bill, for the call. I appreciate it. I bet you haven't heard another talk radio host that got in trouble for doing graffiti as a teenager. Let's go to, uh, Linda. Linda is in Albany, New York, WGDJ. Go right ahead, Linda.
16: Oh, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. Um, the conversations about a whole month for the trans as opposed for Christians, there's only been one day out of the whole year for prayer that was understood that everybody was saying just on that one Sunday once a year. So mm-hmm. how about we start having a whole month of prayers for Christians each Sunday, the four out of that month would be understood that everybody over the whole world was praying again a specific prayer, and people could pray that prayer either at night just before they go to bed or when they get up in the morning. And I'm betting maybe there might be quite some good changes on this planet if we did that.
1: You know, I think you're right, and it's interesting. You're right. Pride Month is a month-long celebration of uh, lesbian, gay, transgender, queer pride. Uh, But yet the National Day of Prayer is that one day. Usually they celebrate it on my birthday, May 5th. And uh, it's a great point that you make. You know, why don't we have a national prayer month if, if others can have? And it's probably because we didn't choose to, right? We should take a page out of their playbook and become competitive that way. And, um, you know, I, I, I support that. I really do. I think it's, it's how, how bad could the world be if we dedicated a month instead of a day to prayer? Just It's a no-brainer to me, Linda. Thanks for the call. Big shout-out to everybody at upstate New York. Let us continue with our buddy Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, as soon as we come back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich
1: Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I said we were going to go to Doc in Wilmington, Delaware. Let's quickly do that. Doc, go right ahead.
15: Rich, you, you you've been hitting out of the park every time. Westwood One made a wise choice of choosing I, I think the world of you, Rich. Um, you. We have to we have to take this country back. We Republicans have to take this country back. And I, I, I want to thank you and your show for letting all of us call in nationwide and for letting various guests of all, of all views, uh, on your show and experts on your show, you, you, you are, you are a part of my ongoing continuing education. I've been following you since you are on PhD here, the big talker in the Philadelphia region. And Rich, yes, you're sir. just fantastic. All I've Thanks. got to say is Godspeed and keep up the good work. Oh, well,
1: that's nice of you, doc. And, and I don't know if you missed yesterday's announcement, but I will toot my horn again. I was, uh, Added to the heavy hundred list, which is the top 100 uh, radio hosts in America um, from Talkers Magazine. It was a, quite an honor, and I'm grateful for it. And I thank you, Doc, for the call and for your kind words. And uh, you're right. We, we have to, um, with respect to what you had mentioned to me last time about the border, we have to tighten it up, and we have to take the country back. And the only way to do it is to protect our borders and, and do what we knew was right once. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Let's go to John in Montauk, New York, listening online. Rich Valdez, americatnight.com. John, go right ahead.
6: Hey, Rich. Um, really appreciate you taking my call
3: and uh, really love your show, man. I've been listening. This has been pretty interesting. You know, it's one of my first times and uh, you're a very interesting guy and I really appreciate you taking the time. I got a question. What is your opinion on the uh, Black Lives Matter movement?
1: Well, I don't, I don't understand the question. What what kind of answer are you looking for? Like something like, "Oh, it's fantastic that they're exercising their free speech," or, um, "I think that the founders of the BLM movement are admitted Marxists and they have a Marxist agenda." I'm, I'm not sure the angle. What are you looking for here?
3: Um, I just kind of want to know what you have, maybe more recently on the on the recent Black Lives Matter movement that kind of happened in 2020. Just kind of what's been happening over the past three
7: years. Just
1: Well, I mean, with respect to that, I mean, I've done uh, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of me talking about this from 2020. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, uh, these are they've admitted to being trained Marxists. And uh, this is a Marxist movement. And uh, up until they got called out for it rather publicly, part of their agenda was to modify or eliminate the nuclear family. Again, these are things that I could never get behind, I could never support, right? Um, Now, with respect to supporting uh, African Americans, and I grew up in Brooklyn with black people, I have lots of black friends. Um, I mean, you know, my my heritage is Puerto Rican, which are, you know, blacks and indigenous uh, island folk and Spaniards mixed. So, I mean, that's my heritage, it's who I am. So uh, with respect to, I think, uh, of course, black lives matter. Every life matters. I think uh, blue lives matter. I got brothers that are cops. So uh, this is one of those things where it it really depends on, on what you're looking for. But ultimately, cops shouldn't abuse people, and people shouldn't abuse cops. Hope that helps. Thanks for the call, and I hope you call back again soon, John. Frank in Evergreen, Montana, I owe you one. We'll get to you tomorrow. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night. And God bless. I am Rich Valdez. We're going to do it again tomorrow. Don't move a muscle.